Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. It's always good to be back on a Impeachment Tuesday. Impeachment Day, Chris. We chose a great time to talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know. It's going to be a sports-heavy show. And, uh, yeah, there's a the lot happening. Significant moments and, you know... Possibly our lives, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, There's we are going to get to the sports. There's a lot of sports that happen, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention the big news, the news that the House of Representatives is going to begin an impeachment inquiry. Chris, what, what, is, what, is, what is your take? What's your thought? I mean, the, the, I think it's just kind of like comedy uh, for like just, just the timing. From a, and there's a lot of people that can you know say, there's reasons why it didn't happen then and it's happening now. And they can mention me on Twitter and say those things, and I get that. But just on the surface level, it looks kind of funny that the moment that, that Nancy Pelosi decides to put her foot down is because, you know, there's there's possibly Joe Biden's campaign is being threatened. On the surface, that is hilarious. I agree. I think I think if it is Joe Biden who is uh you know, had plenty of fun this uh, this campaign season, if it's Joe Biden's weird son who if you haven't heard about his son i would recommend <laughs> I reading say, about you, it you've, you've been a lot more formed on my like over the last four months my best policy with trump has been just ignoring this shit until we get a little bit closer because i've been so focused on you know the things we've talked about at right, local right, levels right. And, and mcconnell and matt bevan that's been keeping a lot of my interest so i mean Same. just yeah just like for me as someone who is a skeptic and someone who thinks that there's not much that's going to come out of this, um, as I do believe both of those things, what would you say to someone who doesn't really have much hope that, that you know, what are some positives that you think there could be more this time? This can mean something. Yeah. Here, here is what I think is the basic benefit of this, Chris, is that in some way, shape, or form, the Democrats are going to be able to piece together. Here is the best made for TV policy idea of why Trump is bad and should not be in office anymore. And they're going to tie every single Republican in office to that. You either vote for it or you don't. If they do, somehow we might have Mike Pence as our, as our president for a weird period of time. If they don't, they can turn around in 2020 and use that in every campaign ad across the globe. And I think that's valuable in and of itself. I think, you know, you're always going to have the 30%, 30 to 35% of people that are going to stand by Donald Trump if he shoots somebody on fifth Avenue. And uh, so that's that the only real concern that I have, and I'm sure uh, skeptics like yourself uh, probably haven't, I I share it with them is that the Democrats are going to mess it up (laughs) because that's the Democrats. (laughs) Yeah. it's It's a weird place to be when you, you know, have zero um, hope for the guy that's in office or, you know, zero respect for the guy that's in office. But at the same time, the party that is doing their damnness to defeat them, you don't really have much um, um, hope for them to successfully be able to do the job that. So it's it's a weird place to be. Um, yeah. But I, I did hear, you know, I heard uh, the, the Democratic Caucus Chairman Hakeem Jones on with NPR um, yeah. say, say some just general promising questions answers just his questions or just his answers in general i did like um just a preliminary basis he talked about how you know things can shift really quickly because that was obviously that's that's the number one question that's going to get asked to them is why do you have any hope that that mitch mcconnell or someone like that would even want to throw this on the ballot um, right to even be spoke about on the senate floor um so his initial answers um i'd encourage you to go back to listen to that interview if you could find it with NPR. Yeah. um but yeah the, the general the general conversation for him was exciting so we will see um, there's going to be a quite a quite a road ahead of us for the next one to two months yes. um, the the PRs are gonna go into overdrive on both sides oh yeah um, so it, it's gonna be fun it's, yeah. it's a silly silly season so oh um, it is a silly season yeah. and it's gonna move weirdly quickly and slowly at the same time I mean tomorrow already it seems like it's gonna be another kind of wall-to-wall day one last thing before we kind of move into the the show of this uh, I, I didn't realize that our own um, 
our own John Yarmouth, representative from Louisville, the only Democratic representative in the Kentucky caucus. Um, he was the sixth person to call for impeachment, like of all yeah. congressional members, which was kind of that was kind of astonishing to me. Like I knew he was one of the early guys, but that's early. That's early comer. And I, I don't suspect I think it's the most if, progressive thing Kentucky's done in how many years? <laughs> I, I was about to say that. I don't suspect you'll have anyone else come with him. Maybe I who is it? Barr who represented represents Lexington? Yeah, Annie Barr. I don't know. I, I one the one note, you know, kind of to go back to what you said, and, and then we'll really maybe start talking about sports, is that it's important to note that when Congress really took up Watergate back in the Dizay, impeachment was also very unpopular. And they only the Republicans only really turned on Nixon in those days until it reached. I think it reached fifty nine percent, like the day before Nixon retired, is what I was reading today. So if yeah. they can get up there, and there's there's a I think they just I saw something just today is that thirty nine percent support impeachment, but forty four percent of the people polled knew nothing about this Ukraine thing. So. There's some room for growth just inherently. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to 45, 50% in the next two weeks just like that. And that's when things sort of get interesting for these Republicans who are defending sort of, you know, districts that, that they that could be lost. And even senators who are who are might be up for something in the in the next few. Years. Yeah, and, and as we all know, it's not like Mitch McConnell has ever altered his position. So. <laughs> but we'll see. As you said, Chris, it's going to be a silly season. Uh, but that's uh, let's put the politics aside and get to what also was a very silly sports weekend. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back. Chris, of course, this weekend was quite eventful, especially on the football front, but I think a lot of things have, have also happened basketball-wise, so we will get to that. We'll maybe talk a little bit about recruiting. This is a big week for Louisville basketball in general, but of course, we have to start at football. We have to start with the loss in Tallahassee. The Louisville football Cardinals lose to Florida State 24-35, to and what was just honestly a very odd game from start to finish, I, th- I think in terms of game flow-wise. Of course, Florida State jumps out to an early 21-0 lead in that first quarter. Louisville is able to bring things back, and by the end of the third, they've got it to 17-21. In the early fourth, they take the lead 24-1 and then proceed to give the game up and and, and lead us to that 24-35 stat line. It was up and down, Chris. What is your initial thought process? Where are you with this team now? And um, you, know, you know, the funniest what, thing for me about that was that we had all this this hope and expectation after Notre Dame, and there was a lot of excitement <laughs> surrounding the football program. And then there were that excitement continued in the Eastern Kentucky and Western, and, and you know, everyone was buying in. But at the same time, the moment that Louisville went down 14 to nothing, nobody in this fan base thought Louisville would be coming back yes. to take the lead in that game. And that, to me, was absolutely hilarious because it was just completely abandoned the mindset of where we were, you know, hours before um, before kickoff. But, I mean, we we sat here on the podcast, and I was like, we're going to be able to come, here, come in here and talk strongly about this team and have yeah. a really good idea where they're at, and I don't. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the top line, Chris. I think that the the headline story of this is we are four weeks into the, se- the season and we still don't know who Louisville football is. And you know, I, I saw you put that in the notes, and when I first saw it, I kind of double taped because I was like, you know, well, we kind of do. They they like to run the ball and they do like to do things like that. And you know, they're they're going to run the ball a lot. Like I said, they're going right. to lean on their defense. They're going to try to do these things. But the more I thought about it, you know, I, I do think you're right because. There's a lot of people that have had this this kind of I don't know if it's a misconception. I don't even know if it's it's correct or wrong at this point. But they have had this thought process that you know Puma was the guy that is the better passer than Malik. But in that game, Malik, you know, they had to turn to his arm, and Malik was able to deliver some throws that got them back into the game. Absolutely, I've, I've went through the numbers and. These guys, uh, 
the the numbers are almost identical that you can't really tell a difference between the two. But it, as far as like where we are in the quarterback battle and things like that, I was really impressed by the league. And I, I don't think that my opinion reflects the majority of the fan base. I think a lot of guys are are, are ready to turn to to Puma now, and that that to me was a, a weird thing to see. I think. Yeah, I think I, I think in terms of quarterbacking and, and we can talk more about that for sure I, I i'm i was really hesitant with malik because it did feel at a certain point and this this may be this may be coaching decisions it felt like he was scared to make throws for a, a significant stretch of that game especially I mean, I thought in the, first the play quarter. call and early on was was not very innovative personally, so and I listen i get it this this offense is about establishing the run like you said we know that about this team if there's one thing we know about louisville football right now it's they're about establishing the run that's fine and dandy which i mean i'll let you let it come back no, to what you're going go to but that's that's kind of a very important thing in establishing in a culture in, in football and the way it's played in 2019, because that's something that I think Bobby Petrino completely abandoned. He abandoned yeah. the offensive line. He abandoned the importance of winning in the trenches, and you see where it got him. To, to have a guy come in and set that as the foundation of his team, to me, is a little bit exciting. Um, it, it speaks volumes about where where this team is headed and the things that Scott Satterfield wants to do. But it certainly wasn't the prettiest thing to watch when guys are getting stopped at the the line of scrimmage for a compete half and they just complete running the ball. That that's what they continue to do and do and do. And you're like, you know, open it up. Can we see some innovation? Can we see something? <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, that's that that was my concern. I think, and and I don't know if that's if that's a Satterfield thing. If what the decisions are there. If that that's what they thought Malik could do, and maybe Malik said. You know, I, I can do more. It did sort of feel like the opportunities Malik had to throw the ball, though, early that he didn't. I, I, there were several sacks, if, if I recall correctly. And um, yeah, I think there were six sacks on the just looking six sacks from from Florida State and several tackles for loss where Malik maybe turned, you know, an, a, a potential pass opportunity into a scramble and, and it didn't go well from there. But I'm just interested. I, 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 we can, we can talk more about Juwan Pass, but I, I, I am really interested in what, you know, what the takeaway is. I, 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 I like, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, do you think this team is good or bad? <laughs> because I think that's what I don't know about this team. I think we know that they aren't last year, but they aren't the team. It seemed like they also weren't the team that we saw in that first quarter against Notre Dame I don't know I, I think what really if anything really upset me and and is sort of weighing on me in my assessment of what what to expect from this team in the future is that some of the mistakes that were made down the stretch still kind of felt like the mistakes that Louisville made last year I think you're seeing a team that has a small margin for error right I think you saw that against the the, the later portions of the second quarter against Notre Dame when right. that game completely flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to talk about it, but, you know, Louisville had a lot of opportunities to win that game, and it's it's overshadowed about the feel-good of, you know, just coming out there and competing. Well, Louisville had a legit opportunity to be in that game in the final stretches and, you know, maybe make it a little bit more closer than, than Notre Dame wanted to be. So I think you have a team that has a, a small margin for error to begin with, but I also think you just see a team that's learning to win. I mean, you. I don't think that can really be overstated enough with you go through a season where you're just so bad and from the, the kickoff, five minutes into the game, you're behind the eight ball and you're down 14 to nothing and you don't get into winning time. I mean, you saw it, the one opportunity they had kind of late in the season when they were playing Florida State then um, and, and they threw the interception right. and, and they made the – the silly mistakes. It's just a team that doesn't know how to close out things. And that's, I mean, what we, it's, it's obviously much different, but we saw a football basketball. How, how bad were they down the stretch right. for months and months and on? And they, they finally got the huge breakthrough against North Carolina and they win and, and they, they finally are able to piece things together and close out some games. I mean, we, we saw it even at the end of the season against Clemson when they, they had that crazy block. It's the same thing here is like Louisville, 
to kind of get over that hump, they're going to have to either have a team that's going to choke more than them or make more mistakes than them. And you would like to think Florida State would have been that team because they had been large. Well, they sort of did. I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean, they missed they missed the the field goals. They missed that three field goals. They missed three field goals. They they somewhat opened the door for Louisville. I mean, of course, Louisville did you know did things to to get back into the game, but but Florida State helped open the door. Yeah, and that's that's where you're kind of like juggling is because like in one sense you can say you know. Louisville, they 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 were down twenty one enough, and they responded really well. They went and took this game by the horns. Yeah, they did. They didn't close it out, but they came back and they took the lead. They didn't have anything given to them. But then you look at the box score, and you're like, you know, Florida State missed three field goals. Um, they're they've traditionally been a team this year that doesn't finish second halves well. So we're we're akin. We're in that weird place. I do think something that's becoming increasingly important with this team that you, you're noticing, we notice a lot in the first half, is when this team gets off schedule, when they get in third, third and six, third and seven, third and eight, and they can't get in third and five and below, it's it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a big issue for this team right now, and I, I mean, it's you know, quarterback play. It's probably the big issue, but if yeah, you, if and you look that's at this, where I, I wanted to I wanted to mention Juwan Pass. I, I do I do get what you're saying with Cunningham, but I do wonder if Pass. I don't know. It, it, I, it, but, what, I, but what makes what makes you think that? Here's this, like I I, it's, it, I will it, admit it's total feeling. It's total feeling. I just, I just I when I saw Pass there in in in, in that first game in that in, in that Notre Dame game, it just it felt to me like he was more confident making passing decisions in third downs because he had to make several of those plays. And uh, don't get me wrong, Malik made great plays, but I, I do want to see Paz get another go at this. I do want to see him hopefully against Boston College because I think that's the perfect I, – I, that's a must, and we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to the schedule. But I think at this point, if you want to feel good about Louisville at the end of the season – it's a must-win game against Boston College. At home. I, I agree with you, and I do think Louisville will win. But but back to what you were saying, if you if you look at the numbers, though, they, <laughs> yeah. they they've largely been the same person. I, I mean, third down, seven and nine to go, both four and one in pass attempts. Third down, ten and go, both one and two in pass attempts. I mean, it's it's uncanny how how similar they've yeah. been. So I I do hear this. And it's kind of the same thing from a lot of Louisville fans that they they think Puma looked more comfortable, but I just wonder how much that is just feel good from Notre Dame, and it's not really reflective. That's of, fair of what he was because he was also the same guy that that had two absolutely critical fumbles against Notre Dame. But you know, I mean, it, it's tough to, to tough to have a huge answer either one way or another. To be very I guess the word I'm looking for, 100% with one guy. Because, I mean, they're, they're both just average college quarterbacks. Yeah. That's what they are. And, I mean, there's going to be highs and lows. Um, the the ball to Des Fitzpatrick really wasn't a great throw, no, but it looks good it, on the it, stat sheet. <laughs> it looks good on the stat sheet, and, and it definitely uh, – that's – that was definitely a Des. That was his hands, and it was great to see him really come out against Florida State. That's I literally have had several people like, "When's this Des Fitzpatrick kid going to start being the kid that we thought he was?" I mean, literally, they talked about it in the All Access. He's a kid who could play on Sundays. Uh, he hadn't shown that until against Florida State, and he did. So I'm hoping he will become more of a presence. But that was that that pass was incredible ball skills to just keep that in the air, find the opportunity to to nab it. I, I, I'm I'm the top story is is always going to be with quarterbacks, I think, all season long. But I think the more important story for this game was the defense and, and was how they just folded down the stretch. And, you know, going through a Keith Wynn, who, who, who does fantastic review of of plays and, and, and posts a lot of stuff on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact tweet, but he kind of said they, they didn't really do anything right. <laughs> like, the defense just kind of messed up everything. <laughs> and, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's. Yeah. I mean, I saw that and I saw pro football <laughs> talk. They do their, they do their ratings, you know, for each individual player and every single offensive lineman had their lowest grade of the season. 
here's here's a stat. Uh, Louisville allowed FSU to complete 76.5% of their passes on Saturday, the highest percentage since Wake Forest in 2017 you know, from Keith Wynn. Yeah, man, but I I think a lot of that is scheme related for this team because guys are playing off of wide receivers 5 yeah. 6 yards. Yeah. So I mean that's that's one of those things which I was hoping we saw a little bit of it and I was hoping we'd see more of it is that's one of those things where you got to bring pressure. You got to get to the quarterback and when Blackman went down and they brought the uh the the Hornbreck was that his name Alex Hornbreck? Hornybrook. Hornybrook, right? Who looked like freaking Joe Man- Joe Montana for like half the game. Like yeah, every time he, he, he went made in us I was like dumb. Geez. He made his look um, dumb. <laughs> but I mean he was a less mobile guy so I was hoping they would go after him, him more and I think they got him to the ground once or twice but yeah. I wanted to see that a lot more. Um but but back to the quarterback thing just for for one moment because it wasn't as weird to to me as it was to you that they the announcers kept mentioning Evan Conley because he was mentioned like two or three times about, you know, he could come into this game. You got to wonder when, when maybe Evan Conley will come into this game. And he was mentioned a few times on Twitter by Louisville fans. I, I guess that's kind of now where he's at because he comes into the game against Western Kentucky and throws a few beautiful passes. That was odd to me. Like, like did, did these guys just make up a storyline or was, was there a reason that they, that they, that they thought Evan Conley may legitimately come into that game. I think there's some level, and I, I noticed that a lot in the offseason where I was seeing national guys like look for Evan Conley to potentially, you know, come in and do something because the quarterbacks are bad. I think there's something to the fact that's like, oh, it's 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 the coach's guy, the co- the one guy that the coach brought in, and you know, he's gonna want his guy in the system at some point. And maybe that's at some point in the future. But I don't see Evan Conley being – I don't know. If he didn't come in, I guess I guess this game was too close. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I, I was kind of shocked. There was at one point where they had gone three and out a few times. And I think – I wonder if Satterfield was really thinking about it. Cause, yeah. Yeah, I mean it, <laughs> it was pretty ugly for a while. Because they, uh, they went four straight three and outs. Louisville. I'm sorry. They they had one long drive that they turned over on downs, but they went four three and outs in the first quarter. And, and I was they kind had of the uh, the kick the, called back on the exactly the, the that well another play that was yeah what whatever that's uh but you know it just kind of brings us back to this point. It's like <laughs> who is this team? Because they're definitely. I, I think we can say I, you and I probably agree on Chris. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think this is a bowl team anymore. No, I mean I, I never really got there, and that was that was another weird thing. Is like you have these yeah. guys on Twitter that they they, they keep saying Louisville's a bowl team, but they're not frustrated when they. I mean, if you think Louisville's a Louisville's a bowl team, you should absolutely be infuriated that they lost that yeah. game against Florida State because that was their best chance. They're, they're they're three and one, and they're coming to a game against a Boston College team that dropped one against Kansas at home, who you think you have a great shot against off a of bye week. They could potentially be four and one headed to Wake Forest. I mean, it, you know, eight games left in the season, and got to win two of them to get to a bowl. Then you can really start thinking that. But now. I can't quite get there. And I, we kind of mentioned it in, in passing um, last week, but the Boston College game becomes increasingly important for this team because you're looking at a stretch after that that could be, you know, four, five straight losses potentially. Right. And then you have to wonder about the psyche and everything else. You go at Wake Forest, you come home, you play Clemson, you go, you play Virginia at home as well, then you go to Miami, then you go to NC State. Louisville could lose every single one of those games, or they could go, you know, two and four, three and five. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I think I think you're honestly someone I haven't seen a whole lot of other people talk about this. Uh, it, it's it, it gets really hard, especially if you don't win this one, where you kind of have to turn around and, and find a game to win against good opponents. And I, I don't. I think the culture is better. Obviously these guys are playing and hell they, they were down 21 zero and crawled back. And that's, that's, that says a lot about the culture. Um, I have a question for you in terms of sort of what we were talking about with the fans. And, and this is kind of the, what I was wrestling with immediately after the, the, the game. So, I mean, at what point do we, 
I saw a lot of these people kind of say, hey, this is, uh, you know, they, they put up a fight in Tallahassee. How long do we need to go, you know, being happy for a quarter of, you know, a victory in a quarter or, you know, and not the game? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. When, no, I, I think. When does that fair, end? The, the, when does that kind of grace period end? I mean, yeah, we're, we're four weeks into the season, but I, but I don't know. I, I just kept seeing the same sort of mistakes, the, the penalties, the, you know, there are several penalties when it was third and short that turned it to third and five. There were, uh, there's the, the interception, the blown play, which was based on, it apparently was because two guys, the blown play was unacceptable. Two guys blitzed because they, they thought that they should have, but they weren't supposed to. I that, think the very, the very tangible expectation for this team should be four wins. And those four wins, those next two wins should become between Boston College, Syracuse, NC State, and maybe you throw in Kentucky because, you know, who knows where, where they're at. But two wins between those four games, I think, is a completely reasonable expectation. I think NC State isn't very good. You do go on the road there, but, I mean, does anyone really think that Florida State had much of a home field advantage with uh, the half-full stadium that they had? I think, <laughs> yeah, think the stadium no. will look a lot like it did against NC State. I don't think Syracuse is great, though Dino Babers was like, what was he like, the third choice to take over at Florida State? I saw you I saw you post those odds and you were you were talking about how Stoops wasn't on those yeah. that list. And I think like Dino Babers was like two or one. He was one, I believe. Oh my lord. That's absurd to me. I mean I I guess behind I have him here. I can, I can pull it up really quick. Uh, Florida State Seminoles head coach in week one of the 2020 season. The, he, uh, Dino Babers, number one, plus 250. Mike Gundy, not happening, plus 300. <laughs> Dave Clawson, plus 400. Matt Campbell, plus 500. Urban Meyer, 700. Josh Hoople, yeah. 800. Scott Frost, 1200. So half of those aren't happening. I mean, I would take, <laughs> I would take Dave Clawson and probably Matt Campbell. Before I think Matt Campbell Babers. at 500 is, is where I'm going, to be quite yeah. honest. Uh, I, I, I just don't see Dino Babers, especially after he's having a disappointing, oh, by all intents and purposes so far, a disappointing season. Yeah, and potentially a pretty massive buyout. I think that was a story with Louisville kind of maybe had interest in him. I don't know if that yeah, was and that's, a real thing. Yeah, and th- that's the thing about, man, I, I don't know. That's that's the thing about, the, not, to, not to start talking about Stoops, but he was, I mean, I, I don't know how long he was D.C. there, but I, my understanding was like five years, right? It, yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't just a year or two is what I'm, what I'm trying to say I don't remember exactly how many years, and yeah I had you know I had someone reply it's like oh it's hard to get a guy from the SEC to the ACC but I, I don't know man if Florida State comes calling that's that's money <laughs> that's good money that's, yeah I mean it, that's better than I, Kentucky money <laughs> I would continue to think he'd be a legitimate viable candidate um, I mean Kentucky's kind of a mess right now I think they're in a much similar situation to Louisville to where they're going to be facing a game that's kind of going to make break their season. If they go and lose at South Carolina, that's going to be a big, big problem yeah. for them. But I don't I think mean, it's going to be a problem because South Carolina, I don't think is very good. No, they're, uh, they're, they're not <laughs> but, good. but I mean, like I said, um, b- between those four games, Boston college, NC state, Syracuse, Kentucky, I think the reasonable expectation is to win two of those games. The rest of the schedule, whatever happens, happens. I agree. Four, That's a great four, point. Four and wins is is where I have Louisville right now, and it hasn't really changed. You said four. Yeah. Okay. I I, I want to say four, but I I'm and I'm I mean just, before, I'm just not, before I'm not the season I had Louisville at two wins. So. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just not shocked if we get to three. I, I I'm I, the th- Boston College to me is a must win in every sense of the word. Like I'm not even just. If if they don't beat Boston College, I just don't see them beating anyone else the rest of the season. Because this, I, this is a team that came and punched you in the face last season. You know, that that huge game that, that was just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And I, I that's there's got to be some pride there. And they seem to not be that good this year, finally. And no, I mean, I, I, I don't think they're great. They You kind of saw Louisville held... I guess Cam Akers to below four yards per carry around like 3.4, which isn't great. Um, yeah. It's better than what some teams have done. Um, 
But the thing with, with Boston College is they have, I would say, a very comparable back in A.J. Dillon, maybe a little bit better, but they have zero threat of a passing game. So if you can do that to a team that has, you know, a semblance of a passing game, you should be able to 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 hold AJ Dillon enough to where you can you can go win that game. I'm sorry, I confused the Boston College game from two years ago with the one oh, yeah. <laughs> from from last year. Oh, well, you started uh, to say a big game. I was like, yeah, I kind of blacked out that season, so maybe you're right. I don't really remember that. <laughs> it was but, only you know. 38 to 20, which isn't that bad. But I'm talking about like, wasn't it Boston College or was it? It was Georgia Tech last year that was like the Georgia Tech that was just an actual where they where they didn't I don't think they passed the ball once or sure didn't like <laughs> and just like scored sixty uh, points or something like that. So yeah, I, I don't know. Brandon Van Gore. Yeah, it, I don't I don't know, man. It's it's you've got to be Boston College. You got to be Boston College, I guess. Like, come on, <laughs> just just get that done. That's that's cool. <laughs> that's the name of the podcast. You got to be Boston. You got to be. Go. That is the t- that is episode, that's the title. What thirty one or thirty two? I think we're 32. We're doing okay. a great job of identifying this. Um, cool. That's the title of the episode. Good job. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, episode 32. Okay. Rock on. Rock on. Let's talk some basketball, man. Let's talk some I basketball, Jones in for some basketball talk, and yeah. Yeah, so Chris, the, we had the the big news, I think, you know, sort of leading up it was Monday and I, I kind of, I think I reacted really poorly uh, to the news when it came out uh, was that Malik Williams was out for six to eight weeks. I think in my head, I re- I thought that was like this, that was the, from the beginning of the season. Um, I think he did something to his foot, which also doesn't. What, I, when I saw it, I thought it was six to eight months. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, wow, oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, that would have been really rough. It's, it's a broken foot, which I also don't love. Because that's a that's an injury tends to act up later in the season. Um, that's all I'm gonna say about that. I don't want to bring untoward evil onto this team. Uh, but Malik Williams is out for six to eight weeks, and hope, so hopefully he'll be back in early November. They're saying six to eight weeks from now, so mid November at the worst, end of November before maybe before that ACC. Yeah, you're talking about getting him before conference play, which is, you know. Of course, get him before conference game, but I think getting him some reps before the big games in November and December, um, or you probably won't have him at 100% against Texas Tech, but if you could have him close to 100% against Michigan, I think that's a a good thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And that led up to the Chris Mack interview um, with everyone's favorite college basketball fan. (laughs) <laughs> the palpable buzz <laughs> you absolutely love his voice don't you uh, rostin yeah yeah so i i didn't i didn't i i mentioned it in the show notes here i didn't realize that's what sh- the, that's what rostin would sound like i kind of felt like he would sound a little dorkier and he definitely <laughs> he has sounded a very like powerful like mark weinberg type weatherman voice yes it? he did that's a great way to put it so Chris, uh, what was your initial reaction to to Malik being out, and I think especially sort of how uh, you know how Mac reacted to that? I think it was pretty good to see. Yeah, I mean, it's a like it's a weird thing for me to say that an injury kind of makes me like feel like better about some things, but it, it doesn't like. It doesn't necessarily like I look at what happened to Kentucky last year when they lost PJ Washington and Reed Travis, and they both went out for the same time, and they were completely lost because you had guys like like EJ Montgomery who didn't really get enough valuable minutes coming in and being thrown into the fire, and they had to make big time plays in the middle of, of conference play, and they weren't able to do that. Mobile or Kentucky went on a bit of a you know a few games where they they had to stay afloat, and they managed to stay afloat, but they were. They were barely staying afloat. They were treading right. water. Right. Um, and I think the biggest thing with this news is that Louisville can kind of avoid having that, you know, possible liability to where an injury could cripple them for a time. I mean, at, at this point, if you if you lose a guy like Jordan War, that's a very serious injury. Of course, if you lose a guy like Sam Williamson, that's a very serious injury. But beyond that, I think Louisville will be able to kind of be okay in – with with something like this happening, giving Aiden an opportunity to show what he he has is is great. I mean, I, I think it's great because if Louisville loses 
a few games in December or they lose a few games in November to, you know, Texas Tech or they lose it to Michigan, obviously people are going to lose their minds on Twitter and they're going to go nuts. <laughs> but it's okay. Like, yeah. it's it, it's it's all a process. You, you act like we didn't do that with, you know, Ripetino, who had the the mysterious December loss almost every every season. So by this point, we should be used to it. But to me, like getting guys like the this extra reps isn't the worst thing in the world. I did not expect Aiden to be a serious part of this team. I did not expect Nickelberry to be a serious part of this team, and they still may not be. But early in the season, they're going to get some reps because of injuries, and we get to see what they have. And I think that's a good thing. No, that makes a hundred percent sense. I, I, I and it's uh, it sounds like Mac didn't either. I really want to encourage everyone. I didn't I didn't say at the top to go listen to the Mac interview with Rostein on his podcast. Um, Rostein tweeted it out. I'm sure people who listen to this follow him. Um, but it's about twenty minutes. We'll and we'll we'll kind of hit the highlights here. But please do listen to the whole thing. And, and yeah, he mentions Mac mentions that he didn't expect Aiden to get this opportunity. Now we're here. And and now you know going to get some minutes, especially against some teams that you know might not be as good, which which will be you know kind of good opportunity for him to kind of get his bearings straight in college basketball. But what kind of bummed me out about this is just you know it, it's it, it it sort of seems like Malik is really stepping up and being a leader, and that's what Chris Mack really underlined. He was he had an incredible Ooh. summer. It, it also, you know, Greer mentioned Enoch did too. So it sounds like that front line is going to be something is a real place of potential improvement for Louisville basketball. And I, I, the fact that we'll have to wait a little bit to see what a hundred percent that is, is a bummer, but you're absolutely right. It's not, it's not the end of the world. I said, Oh God, this is really bad. I tweeted that. And yeah, for maybe against Texas tech, it is for maybe against Michigan. It is maybe it's, fine by Kentucky you know that's a game I'd like to I'd like to win this year I think it was a really good chance of winning I'd really like to win yeah. um as we want to every year but I think especially this year I think there's a chance for you know how like this is gonna kind of sound a little weird but you just have to stick with me for a moment okay <laughs> but there was those times during kind of the Warriors run when they would they would play the Rockets or they would play whatever whoever was viewed as the closest competitor to them. This is a good analogy. I like where you're going. During during the the regular season. Right. And Steve Kerr would always just set a star. So you never saw the Warriors at full strength. So, you know, if you beat them, yeah, you beat them, but you didn't really beat them at full strength. So you don't really know. I think that's cool, like, to have that kind of back in your pocket. Louisville drops a few games early. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Wait till Louisville gets healthy. They get healthy, and then they just go on a run. Like, I, I, I can totally see something like right. that happen. And that that's like a weird psyche thing that that I was thinking about just, just when I was kind of like analyzing how I felt about this. And I don't know. That that to me is is kind of interesting. No, because I think we'll, that's really I think that's really interesting. And, and, and that goes hand in hand with what Max said. You know, he said, quote, we have a lot of versatility. We can throw a lot of looks at people. And we're going to get to see that. And that's one thing that this team, especially given the fact that the freshmen have really apparently stepped up, you know, we'll, we can talk about Sam Williamson here in a second, but Louisville is going to be able to do a lot of different things depending on the matchups. And yeah, not having Williamson limits that or not having uh, Malik Williams will limit that for a period of time. But you're right. It is kind of one of those things where, you know, the quote unquote, you know, best lineup for Louisville might not be Louisville's, you know, to bring it back to gold state, their death lineup in March. Right. It might not be that. And we might not understand that. And it seems like it, Mac I is, mean, is it, it, if, if teams don't really have that much on film at Louisville at full strength, that helps them too. Yeah. I, th- I think that's absolutely, I think that's absolutely fair. And man, it's, it's going to be really fun and really interesting. And in, in that sense to see that versatility. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Sam Williamson a little bit who is also a prominent subject of this Rostine podcast um, quote, Sam is really good at getting to his spot, really good at transition offense, which Mac underlines. And I, I meant to go get the stats, but didn't, but transition D was, wasn't or transition offense was an issue for Louisville. I think D as well. Just they, they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't America's fastest team, America's most athletic team. And it sounds like Williamson is going to increase that athleticism in this lineup and, and, and kind of give a spark plug in that area where, where they could have used some help um, as guys who 
really want Sam Williamson to be a shooting guard. I was really interested in the Slazinski talk from that point of view, Chris. I know we talked a little bit about it before recording. Uh, it seems like Quinn Slazinski might not get redshirted. That's kind of been a, a whisper and a murmur. And, and no, I kind think of, it's. I think that's the the, the kind of the prevailing it, thought. Now. It seems like it's about official. Like it's everything but announced that he's not going to be redshirted. Um, which and and what I kind of mentioned to you before we started recording was if they have four healthy wings, that does seem to set the stage a little more for Williamson to play the two, right? Yeah, and I, I was kind of like going back. I hate to like liken anything to old global teams because you know it's not Ribatino here anymore, so you, it's not really the. <laughs> the greatest example to do that, but it's not like Louisville hasn't had guys that played the two that kind of played like a wing row. Earl Clark slid to the two many times. Right. Terrence right. Williams played the two and the three. Pretty um, much. I mean, even some guys, Cal Curry played, he played the four at times. Wayne Blackshear played the, pretty much the three, but there were times that he would play the two as well. Um, so, I mean, it's not unheard of right, um, right. For, for Louisville to do this. I do. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not doing anything to slow down the Sam Williamson hype train, and I don't think Chris Mack is either. I'm all in on this dude. I've said from day one that I think he's going to be a one and done, and I think his skill set is going to be best served at the two position. So that is where I want to see him. Um, so the Quinn Szynski thing is interesting. If that's kind of what's forcing you know Louisville's hand to, to do this, because. I guess it was a few months ago to where I think Jeff Greer maybe wrote about it um, that talked about that kind of introduced this theme that, you know, maybe he could play the two. And I think that seems to be more and more where this is where this is trending. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Mac has really tipped his hand in the way that he has with um, with some other things in terms of that regard. But it does seem like sort of the basketball tinkerers really feel like that's the opportunity for Louisville to get the most out of all of their players. Like it's just to have all their best players on the floor. That's I mean, because it allows, uh, we talked about it, it allows Dwayne Sutton and Jordan War and Williamson to all be on the floor. Right. And And they seem, and they're probably, you know, three of the best players. You know, I think if you're picking the best five players, they're all three on that list. So best scoring. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and and it's you know it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes, and, I, and that's something I'm definitely going to be watching right away, even from you know from the exhibitions on, uh, and I, just where where how much time Williamson gets at guard. I think what's kind of funny about it is that Chris Mack has said like you have all this part of college basketball that's moving towards you know positionalist basketball. And Chris Mack has been pretty adamant about how he's not a huge fan of that. Like, he wants guys <laughs> to have positions. But, I mean, my goodness, this is the per- perfect team to have positionless basketball for. Completely. There's a lot of guys that can play multiple positions. Absolutely agree. And, and, and one more note on Williamson before we move on. I, I think it was interesting you mentioned before we started recording. Mack almost talks about Williamson like he's been in Louisville for two years, three years. And, and that that bodes well for me. He's not protecting him. He's not protecting him. And he's he he understands that Louisville fans are really excited for him, and he's not doing anything to temper that excitement in terms of oh, it's going to take him some time to learn the system. You're yeah, not I mean, hearing I- that, and you you heard that from Rick Pitino every year about freshmen. So it's really really exciting to hear that about a freshman from from that. I'm not sure how many like freshman he had at Xavier um, that were on, you know, Sam Williamson's same caliber. Of course, not yeah, any. Not, but, not but I was going to kind of make it a personal project to go back and see how he talked about those guys to see that if this is truly unique to, to Sam Williamson or this is just how he kind of talks about the, the better freshman. Because I, I, I really do think this is – it was something that I really picked up on during that interview. It's like there is no pumping the brakes – with with this guy, um, yeah, no, by, no, by, we, by Chris Mack, like we said, I mean, there, there there's no protecting, so it's it's definitely worth pointing out that out. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I think the other big note from the interview, and we can move on from after this, is that he he talks Mack talks a little bit about Fresh Kimball, um, mentions he's in great shape. There were some rumbles that Kimball wasn't in shape. I, I don't remember where that came from, but I do remember seeing that on some boards and on Twitter. Uh, it does seem like. 
fresh isn't going to have to be CC. Isn't going to have to be Christian Cunningham. Mm -hmm. And that's really good. (laughs) And, and, and and that was the one thing that I think hindered Christian Cunningham is he had to be so many things at once for Louisville. And he couldn't focus on the things that he did best, you know? Um, And I I do think though, I think that that narrative isn't accepted by the entire fan base. I do think there are some people out there that think he's going to have to be a scorer because they don't have faith in Darius Perry. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Darius Perry not mentioned at all in this podcast. Not, yeah. I think maybe a passing mention, but um, he wasn't kind of one of the outline guys, despite all of the rumbles we've heard of his summer. So because I mean, saying saying that you know Fresh doesn't have to do what CC did is based upon the expectation that. You know, guys like Darius Perry are going to be able to come in and spell him and, you know, do kind of what he does on the floor as well or if not better. And then the other guys around him are going to kind of be the score. So if you believe that, then yes. But I, I don't know that that, that narrative is accepted by the entire fan base. So I, I just didn't want to point that out. No, that's a good point. And as the number one hashtag Perry Hive <laughs> uh, podcast, we, we had to, we had to, you know, we had to mention it. So I be, we believe in Darius Perry. We believe in you, Darius. Absolutely. Any more notes on Chris Mack's interview before we move forward? Nah, man. Um, it, it was, was a good interview. Go listen to, to it. Um, I think we'll talk a little bit about Louisville Live coming up. It's just great to have basketball in the air. Basketball's in the air. It is almost October. Man, it's it's here already. But yeah, Chris, let's let's talk about recruiting for a little bit. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday night. Friday night is Louisville Live, the second annual. I don't know if it's going to be annual. I keep hearing people say that. I don't know if it's going to be annual. Well, they're doing it two years in a row. I assume they'll do it every year from now. Um it seems like it's like on an as needed basis. Uh, I thought it was on Saturday up until yesterday, <laughs> which is a good. Uh, so I, I'm hoping to make it out, Chris. I know you you um, aren't sure if you're going to make it, but um, yeah, I hopefully. would not be able to make it now. I do know that, so I'm pretty. Well, at least you're not. Sh- I was going to show up on Saturday, so <laughs> that's that like an old man thing to do. Yeah. Um, but the list is extensive. It has become a recruiting thing, and um, we don't. I'm guessing they're going to do a three point contest. Sounds like they're going to do some kind of horse game with Luke Hancock and um, and Vince Tyree. But the, but the the headline for sure is recruiting. The list of visitors for the game or for the event is extensive. Um, includes guys from this 2020 class coming up from the 2021 class, several very high profile guys, um, including the, the local kid Zion Harmon, who just got added, um, I think is, is an interesting add to that list. And then also even some guys from 2022, apparently going to show up. Uh, but Chris, I've been seeing a lot of kind of angst in the fan base, uh, the past few weeks, this I've kind of dipped my toe back into the the message boards a little more just to uh, just to kind <laughs> of scary hear, place. just to kind of hear what they're doing. Um, so it seems like it, it, a lot of the controversy is sort of at the guard position where Louisville uh, seems to have a few guys who uh, they had DJ Stewart who was a a, a, a shooting guard who for all intents and purposes, apparently was all in on Louisville. They were leading with him all summer. That is something goes, that I've battled a few people with on Twitter. DJ Stewart was definitely all in on Louisville. That's a hundred percent. He was all in on Louisville. He even did some interview and you can go find this. Cause I went and looked to make sure where he ended up getting the Duke offer. And he's like, well, I don't want fans to think I'm immediately going to go to Duke. Cause I got a Duke offer. Yep. And then he went to Duke. <laughs> so it's like, they dropped right, the bro. bag, man. They dropped the bag. <laughs> Shout out to Duke, uh, the brotherhood, man. Can't turn down the brotherhood. Um, and Louisville fans, especially the, the the message board folks who are just a different breed. Those guys are a different breed. Uh, they are worried about the guard position. Uh, it seems that that's the real point of concern with two guys. Caleb Love, who's a 2020 guard who just went to UNC uh, uh, and we've got posters saying, oh, he's been a UNC fan his whole life. He's going to UNC. And then there's the interesting Devin Askew situation that I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, but we can get there here in a second. 
Uh, Chris, what's your what's your general take on on recruiting? What, no, I mean that we, is, we we that try is, not to deal like intensely into recruiting because it's man, just trying to figure out what seventeen year old kids are going to do is very difficult. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that that has been a thing that we don't really talk a little bit about about that much on this podcast, and I'm glad that it is that way because I would rather it be that way. Um, <laughs> but I do think like I will hold Chris Mack's feet to the fire there a little bit. Um, because whether it's a guard or not, I do think that Louisville needs to get a commit for the 2020 class pretty soon. Very soon. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's there's several schools that have multiple ones. Virginia has three guys. Um, Kentucky either has one or two. I think they have think, two. Yeah. Um, two. Duke has one. You know, a, a lot of other high-profile programs have some guys. So I, I think Louisville needs to get some guys into the fold. Oh, K- Kentucky has four, dog. They have oh. four. Wow. <laughs> they have four, two five-stars and – Two four stars. Okay. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Louisville just needs to get a guy. I think the point guard thing is a legitimate concern. I have been very, you know, outspoken saying that Louisville needs to get Caleb Love. Um, I I know that there's a lot of people that are all in on this this Devin Smith kid who I haven't seen play a single game. I haven't seen one highlight tape. I yeah, it's, it's Askew, yeah, I think. Or Davin, Devon Smith. Okay. Davon Smith, yeah, I said yeah. Devin Smith. Um, but there's a lot of guys who, who think he's going to come to Louisville, which is great, but he's he's five eleven. Um so that is <laughs> something that it's gonna be more, you know, show me um rather than tell me. I would much rather have Caleb Love. Uh, if if I had my choice, but yeah, I I do think the the concern about point guard is pretty legitimate. I will say that I'll stick up for the message board guys here because yeah. I think that's a thing where where Louisville needs to 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 score because particularly when you look at the DJ Stewart thing because I had I had a few guys you know that I had conversations with in the DMs that are in the know that were saying that. You know, this guy's coming to Louisville. Um, and I'm like, well, look at the crystal ball. It's all training towards you. No, no, this guy's coming to Louisville. He's he's coming to Louisville. That's where he'll be. I think they'll get him. I think they'll get, they'll, they'll get Jay Scrub. This is what these people said. Yeah. Um, so I think losing him is a big deal. I, I, I think it matters. I, I don't think that the, the Louisville staff is scrambling at this point. Yeah. But yeah. I certainly think it's a concern. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I, the, the, the Davon Smith situation is, is interesting because he came to a little visit. I think he came for the Notre Dame game and instantly after he left, everyone was like, Oh, it, it looks like this kid's going to commit any day now. Apparently and, like, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you just no, made ahead. me think of it. Apparently like he has a few family members that are a little, little crazy. Um, for, from what I hear, I don't oh, know. Really? That's a, a good or a bad thing and the sense of the word, what they exactly mean. But I've heard that from one or two people that have said that they may be sending out some signals that may not exactly be accurate one way or another. Okay. So, well, yeah. yeah Cause it, it, all the crystal ball stuff went his way, went Louisville's way for that. But you're right. It did seem like Louisville kind of wanted to figure out he's definitely a tier below these other, these other guard prospects that are looking at. Um, so they definitely wanted to figure out Caleb love and Devin ask you before going that route it felt like so it was kind of a a, oh this is going to happen and then oh it didn't so that was kind of interesting and i i've talked to someone i trust about this recruiting stuff who i think is is much more plugged in than i am and he gets the vibe uh that this brickfield kid who's coming uh, who's on the official list for louisville live um that he and he's a five star. I think he's like thirty fifth on the list. Yeah. Um, Jamin Breakfield. He, play, he that, plays a four in high school. I could see him playing the three or the four. I guess. Yeah, he's a, he's a he he uh, seems like he he would play the four for for Mac. Um, anyway, this this person feels pretty good about Breakfield kind of committing after after Louisville Live as long as things go well. It does seem like it's. Um, it's a good opportunity for Louisville fans. I, I remember when I was growing up, I heard a lot of stories about recruiting visits that kids would come to Louisville and they would go somewhere and fans would be like, I know who you are. We would love for you to come to Louisville. And, and it seemed like sort of since then, maybe everyone else does that. <laughs> everyone else is a little <laughs> more plugged in on recruiting yeah. and Louisville live is a good opportunity for, I mean, it seems like it, Close the deal for Aiden Nagehan. You know, it seemed like that was, you know, he came to Louisville. Everyone cheered for him. Everyone called his name and chanted his name. 
and they Chris Mack like, made him the prize recruit. Too. He made him the prize recruit that weekend. So I'm very interested in seeing what he can do this weekend for Breakfield, Caleb Love, and then this uh, 20, 2021 kid, Christian Lander, who's, for my understanding, is a top, top recruit in, in, that, in that recruiting class. He's a top 10 guy. So that's, that's also a big visit for him um, in that sense. But, hey, you know, it will be um, – I'm right there with you, and and I want we can talk a little bit about Ask You now because because I definitely want to touch on him, uh, but it will be really interesting to see sort of this immediate aftermath, um, especially in the Caleb Love situation for for Louisville, Louisville Live. If they don't have if they don't have a recruit next week, if they don't have a commitment next week, yeah, I I, I think it's time to to turn up the DefCon maybe to DefCon level you know two. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, no, I mean after your premier recruiting event, if you don't have a commit, you know. Yeah, relatively soon. I, I think that's a bit of a cause for concern. I was just immensely distracted while you were talking because I saw Matt Jones tweeting about Rudy Giuliani. Um, <laughs> so sorry, read the tweet. So, read the sorry tweet. about that. Um, it's just I, it, it's crazy to think there was a time I really respected Rudy Giuliani. It's amazing how much his stature is falling over the years. Um, so well, well, why are we here? While we're here, it just uh, there is a picture of me somewhere um, as a baby with Rudy with, Giuliani with, with holding Rudy me. Giuliani. You should print that baby out now. I, I so I, I should find that somewhere. I, I have a family member who worked uh, in 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 security and uh, for the NYPD back when I lived in New York. Has and, he done uh, something? Done something today noteworthy? Because I've seen a lot of people talking about it. It seems like he's on Fox News right now. Oh, okay. Uh, he's making the, so making that's, the media. That's that. so we said the, we said the <laughs> like, silly season would be begin the the, PR <laughs> the silly season shout cycle. Out. Um, but you wanted to talk about Devin Askew, so we can make that that seamless transition from from Rudy Giuliani to to, to Devin Askew. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting, Chris, because because this does, and I tweeted this. This does seem to be the first Louisville UK uh, Cal versus Mac recruiting battle. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. And uh, listen, I I'll give I'll give UK the benefit of the doubt of the Aiden and Gahan thing. It, that was an offer, it was an offer. Who cares? This is it. And, yeah. And it, there is an opportunity I think for both schools to kind of get other guys and it wouldn't be really what what it is right now. Um but that's really that's interesting to me and um Mac took Mac took his daughter uh Laney out there. Um, the closer, as as I've seen some people <laughs> joke on Twitter, she's the closer. She's going to close the deal with with Devin Askew, um, and then immediately the day after, Cal goes and visits. So it, it's it is definitely a back and forth. I think maybe I mean, MSU is involved as well, but um, yeah. In a sense, it doesn't even like. I mean, it matters, but in a sense, like the skill set of the dude doesn't even matter. If you can win coming to Louisville and win your first head-to-head recruiting battle with with John Calipari, that sends a massive message. Completely I think agree. I think you can't overstate how much that means. Completely you know, agree. Louisville's in a position where they really don't have a lot to lose, but if they win, that, that sends a massive message. Yeah, and, and it does seem talent-wise. So, I mean, Askew has... He said originally he wasn't gonna re, he wasn't going to reclassify to 2020. Um, I don't know much about the dude like his game. So yeah, my understanding is he is one of he is one of the top guys. Um, he's he's I think I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Um, but anyway, so he said he's 2021 guy. He said that he okay he's 10th in in the national rankings for 2021. Okay. And my understanding is if he was um, he would be in a similar position in 2020 if 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 he was brought over is is sort of what I think I saw Evan Daniels mention that. Um, so he plays sort of a he's a combo guard, but it sounds like he could play point guard in, in Max system. And um, so I love, I, so he's I love a, to hear the term call, combo guard. Love hearing that term. That's turned that's a hey that's worked well for Louisville yeah. combo guard. Um, but anyway, so Askew says, okay, I'm not going to be into, I'm going to stay in 2021. Then there's rumors that Cal wants him to come to 2020 and there'd be a spot for him at, at Kentucky. Um, and then he comes to Louisville sort of around that same time for a visit, goes really well. Then in the past week, he said both that he's close to a commitment and also that he's not going to reclassify. Sounds like a high schooler. Sounds like a high schooler who doesn't know what he wants to do, but I, I do, and, and this is sort of what the same person I was mentioning told me, Mac doesn't go visit this kid twice in a week 
um, if he thinks he, I mean, it's a 2021 I, I think, situation. I think certainly that Louisville has the upper hand right now, and I think they, they had the upper hand from the beginning of the battle. And I do, I guess I can backtrack a little bit on what I said. Maybe it does, Louisville's in a position where they stand to lose a little bit because you would hate to have the look of, you know, Louisville had the upper hand on this guy and then Cal swooped in at the very end and got him um, because that's not the most favorable look either. But, yeah, I, I think at this point right now, Louisville does have the upper hand. I always wonder about how reclassifying even works. Like, like how's a guy just like one day, you know, I'm just going to graduate this year. Like, I heard someone say that originally he was a 2020 kid and then moved. It, it seems to a lot of it has to do with what they think they would be like draft wise. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, all the all the usual customers are involved. Memphis, Penny's Penny went to go visit him, Kentucky, Arizona, Villanova. So this is I mean, this is a blue blood kid. And uh, the, he, he's got two crystal ball predictions for Louisville, one from Jody Demling and one from the Duke guy from a few days ago. Huh, that's wild. Has Jody Dimling ever made a crystal ball uh, prediction that wasn't a little? <laughs> That's a good question, but he's a, Hey, he's 81% all time. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Cause I, I think that's something to watch. Um, and, and there's, I mean, there's other pieces class. We can talk about Jay scrub another time, but that's just something to know. I'm just looking through. Yeah. It, Jody has, has done other things. So. <laughs> okay i'm glad we figured that out okay, yeah um, <laughs> the jay scrub thing is a little interesting because there are some people that that think he could go pro and you know never even play a kid in college so apparently he was the uh, 38th is what i saw or 38th or 34th somewhere in that range uh yeah. today on a on an updated 2020 nba draft from uh from Giovanni or Giovanni or Jonathan. Yeah. The, Jonathan the draft Giovanni. express yeah. guy on ESPN. Everyone um, knows who we're talking about. Yeah. Everyone knows who we're talking about. So that's, that's an interesting situation. He's also going to be there on Friday night, but in an unofficial manner, which of course is easy for him because he lived here. Um, right. But the, yeah, so, so recruiting, inter- recruiting is very interesting right now. And I, I think the kind of the underlying idea is Louisville needs to start getting answers in the next week or two, or we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think this is kind of the thing for going forward, barring, you know, NCAA stuff, is that these are the waters that Chris Mack is going to swim in. Um, there's going to be the guys that are going to pop up. They're going to be top 10 guys that he's going to have ends with. And then after that, it's going to be people that are in this 20 to 30 range um, to where they're not necessarily projects, but they're they're not, you know, 100% going to be guys that are they're going to be great and i think that's a good place to be because you can take some chances on a few guys um and, and then you can kind of go ahead and wrap up some of the early guys and i think that's what he did with the previous recruiting class so well he, he was able to get some of those you know mid-level guys like the quinzinski and like the the josh nickelberry early on and then he was able to kind of go after those home run guys like sam williamson and aiden and Gihon. so i i hope that kind of flows into the next recruiting class. Um, I, yeah. I agree. It, it does seem like this, this class, I mean, this class, they could, they could take four, maybe five guys. Um, Mac has said he wants some older people. That's why he's going after Jay scrub. Um, something worth considering. So maybe some grad transfers, if, if not all the spots are filled is, is a potential, you know, cause he doesn't want the team overfilled with freshmen and sophomore, which I completely get. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I it's, I'm not, I don't think if things go really poorly, I'm going to be like, oh, well, this is maybe just a tough class, especially in sort of the bigger, the big man positions. I know there wasn't a whole lot of talent and the guard position. I think they may just have been spread too thin in terms of they had their hands in a lot of pots and there was a lot of guys on their big board for guard. And uh, it just seems like they've kind of. They've tried to. They're they're trying to swing a home run. I think Askew or Love would be a home run. Yeah, it, I mean, it the, really would be. That's we we can kind of wrap it up here. But the the one thing I like I I don't want to hear, and we've yet to see is Chris Mack continue to say, you know, I want to recruit big guards. I want to recruit big guards. You know, then then don't go after a guy who's five eleven. I I just you know I I know that UK had Tyler Lewis at one point and it worked out and it was great. That is that is atypical. Yeah, for 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 the system that they play, but yeah. Do you have anything else you want to follow up on? Um, anything on Matt Jones? Uh, the, we got to mention the, Matt Jones. I think we mentioned our Matt Jones for the day. Anything uh, in the newsletter? Um, 
I, I don't know of anything else we No, the newsletter went yeah we can mention the newsletter here I, I, thanks to everyone you know if you're if you're listening this is your first episode um after you know reading the newsletter thank you for for doing that for sure we got a lot of really great responses from the newsletter a lot of interest a lot of people uh really enjoyed it good 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 job by you chris on that i think i think you really hammered home some of the points uh that you know i definitely signed on to whatever you had to say so i i think uh you know shout out to you for that yeah i appreciate it um mobile has a bye week coming up our our next podcast won't be nearly as sports heavy no um, um, no we'll have other things to talk about and you know uh just just to tease some things coming up down the line chris and i had some good conversations today about um you know what we want to do for basketball season and I, i'm really excited and i think chris is too yeah it's a good time it's a good thing it'll be good time. times guys so thanks again for everyone to listen for listening in and enjoy your week enjoy this bye week and maybe we'll see you a little a lot take care guys